Student Life. Being a student was wonderful. Everything changed. I became head girl. There was some kind of voting process based on dance ability and mentoring, and I had been there for longer than any other girl apart from one, who was proud to be naughty, so it was foregone conclusion that I would be head girl. Zara was deputy head girl, and we shared a room. Our room was the old sick bay, a beautiful room on the first floor of the main house that looked out over the big front lawn with the pool in the middle, which we used as a swimming pool. Our room had its own toilet and sink, which was unimaginable luxury. Having come all the way through the school from junior dorm, we felt it was right and fitting that we had this luxury bestowed upon us. Heaven, the school was practically run by the prefects and students. No housemistresses or teachers actually lived in the house. Miss Marsh and Mr Alexander lived in the grounds, and Matron and Nursey too, but the actual running of the school after the working day was over was left to us prefects. We were totally cool about it. We'd been there so long that we knew every prank, rule, anomaly and problem that could happen. Prefects had many duties. Supervising mealtimes and bedtimes, demonstrating at auditions, and ushering prospective parents and students around, mentoring and comforting pupils and organising outings and events. We wove it all effortlessly into the fabric of our hectic dance timetables. We could do as many dance classes as we liked, so usually we danced from nine in the morning until eight at night, unless we had some duties to attend to. It was not unusual to do one of Miss Marsh's seriously demanding classes and dripping wet with sweat, simply carry on into her next class. Dance filled our every waking hour. It was fulfilling, exhausting and a thrilling time. Apart from all the dancing duties, as students and prefects, we were suddenly expected to be social. We were invited to all sorts of weird and wonderful places. The Chocolate Passion Pit, Rich Jim's and his boyfriend Carl Harris's oh-so-modern apartment to choose and record music for productions, the Folly, Miss Marsh and Mr Alexander's house for drinks, out to dinner with the cook and her husband with boys from the local public school, to the Pars house, a local theatrical family, where they oddly kept their Christmas decorations up all year round for a sing-along and to have our photographs taken to be Thursday girl in the local paper. It was all a big departure from the way things used to be. Madame Bonito. It was during my final year that Madame Bonito joined the school and again, everything changed. Yes, everything. Having run businesses myself now, I understand why Madame Bonito was brought in. The school certainly never felt like a business. It was our home, but I'm sure that Miss Marsh and Mr Alexander must have been suffering all the stresses that any business can offer. The school needed a commercial edge. It needed to be brought up to date, and Madame Bonito was to be the person to do it. Miss Marsh was our goddess. So it was strange that this new person was to be referred to as Madame. Madame Bonito was infamous. She had recently been let go 
from another ballet school that was similar to ours, over some incident that wasn't really much to do with her. Bonnie, as we came to call her, was employed by our school to raise its profile and its fees while she was at it. Bonnie was a dancer of some standing, but no prima ballerina. She had a baby with a famous ballet teacher of that time, and she named her baby Ricardo after him. By the time Bonnie came to the school, she was no longer with the famous Ricardo Bonito, but the Bonito name was a famous one in the ballet world, so it stood her in good stead to keep it. She was the most bohemian person we had met so far. She wore trademark flowing scarves a la Isadora Duncan, and having stopped dancing since her baby Rick was born some 20 years ago, she had developed a large girth over which she wore flowing clothes in bright colours. Like Miss Marsh, she adorned herself with layer upon layer of rings and bracelets with the addition of multiple chunky necklaces that clunked around her neck. Also, like Miss Marsh, she had an aquiline nose and tiny twinkly eyes. They shared quite a few similarities, really, but these two queens of the school were nothing like each other in character, apart from the fact that they both wanted and needed to rule the roost. Madame Benito was invited by Miss Marsh to be artistic director of the school, but from the moment she arrived, there was antagonism between these two divas. Madame Benito came with a barrage of glamorous friends from the theatre and she flaunted them straight away. One of them was Huey Green, who was the host of Opportunity Knocks, a hugely popular TV show at that time. It was a talent show, but there were some planted professional acts each week and Madame Benito planted some of our students into the show. She choreographed a genius number, which was a parody of the dance of the little swans from Swan Lake. In Madame Benito's version, the little swan wore flippers instead of point shoes. Regardless of the impediments at the end of their feet, the little swans executed difficult steps perfectly, and that was what made it so funny. They were deadpan, serious and brilliant. I was too tall to be a little swan, but Cassie and Annabelle did it, and the thrill of being on a TV show reverberated throughout the school. They were never expected to win. After all, they were really just padding for the show. The public, however, voted for them, and they earned themselves a genuine spot on the show for quite a few weeks. Consequently, the school's name got a great big mention each week on national TV, so Bonnie had done her job. There were some mumblings from Miss Marsh's camp about it being rubbish TV, but she was doing her job in getting the school noticed and therefore bringing in new prospective pupils. She also brought in all sorts of exciting teachers, which shook Miss Marsh's world. The division of loyalties in the school between Miss Marsh's camp and Madame Benito's camp was becoming uncomfortable. I genuinely liked and loved them both, so I managed to sit on the fence, and they both appreciated this. My divided loyalty actually helped calm the situation, otherwise there would have been a war in our little world. Being head girl was more influential than I had ever imagined. (laughs) 